The purpose of rules, policies, procedures, automation, systems, AI, whatever, is to serve people, right? And what happens is if the systems, the rules, the policies, procedures take over and now the people are serving the system, you have a new version of value. If it gets extreme, you have a perversion of value to where the system actually, instead of serving people, abuses people. Expanding possibilities, the mindset zone. I'm your host, Anna Malikian, and my mission is to support individuals and organizations to increase their impact while avoiding burnout. If you want to work smarter, not harder, I can help you. If you want to go from burnout to full engagement, let's talk. Reach me at Anna, A-N-A, at mindset.zone. Yes, instead of .com, it's .zone. You can also access all the episode notes, links, and other amazing resources at mindset.zone. Today, our special guest is Mitch Axelrod. Mitch is a business strategist and advisor with 45 years experience as an entrepreneur, speaker, trainer, and is the number one Wall Street Journal, Barnes and Nobles, and Amazon best-selling author of several books, and is really a trusted voice for his clients. And I have the luck to be one of them. So welcome to the Mindset Zone, Mitch. Thank you very much, Anna. Been looking forward to this. Yes, and I I really uh, love the perspective that you bring to the table in terms of how you look to business in general and life in general. So I thought that I have to have you here in the Mindset Zone because of all of that. And I want to start with a question because you are known by your new game. You have the new game of business, the new game of selling, the new game of service, because it's that new perspective. So how these, these different perspectives that you encapsulate under the new game can help companies, can help leaders and even professionals in this time where we are in this accelerating change from the AI disruption to so many changes that we are facing uh, in our lives and in the business world? Well, I could take you back to my childhood where I actually got my ethos of business. Um, I was working at Luncheonette, which is a place where you serve people food over a counter. And one day a guy comes up to me, I used to get 20 cent tips, 50, half dollar at most. Guy comes up and puts a dollar bill on my head. I never got a dollar before. So he's, I, I was shocked. He's, he jumped in by, into my face, says, Mitch, you're worth it. And that was the first time anybody said to me, you're worth it. And I realized I had loved and served him and he rewarded me with his money. And that became my whole philosophy and ethos of life. I say, if I love and serve people, they reward me with their money. And isn't that what 
business is really all about loving and serving people. So that's how I actually discovered the whole ethos of, and I saw that the more I loved it, and I didn't do it in, as a reason or a means to get to, it was just who I was being. And, and that kind of led to my entire career. Whenever I had a down, you know, a downtime or at one point I was actually bankrupt, I knew that if I could love and serve a population of people, I could always be of value. And I think we've lost that over the years with mechanization, automation, and now AI. I love this. Really like this perspective. Just to give a little bit of context, how old were you at the time? I was 16 years old. 16. So a teenager doing your say what you could do to get some money and uh, that, uh, get that tip and that message you have value. I appreciate the service that you provide, how that framed the way that you start to look to the business world. And I find that fascinating because I love English being not my first language. I, I love to think about, even in my own mother language, Portuguese, I always had the fascination about the meaning of the words and the origin of the words and how words can be interpreted in different way. And I love the word value. We find value in something. We exchange value. And business commerce, in many ways, was always an exchange of value from uh, one product for the next because people didn't have and they valued the other. And I think if we bring that to our mind and frame of reference today, what is of value that we can give to people that people value enough to pay for it? Absolutely. Uh, it's, I, I've, I've been in business 45 years. I've made a lot of changes and pivots. Uh, I've seen businesses come and go, had great products, and five years later, they were gone. Uh, and, it, and it come back to loving and serving. You know, service is not just a department. Service is an ethos. It's a mission. Uh, being of service is a very deep human need. We all need to be of service. You even see people when they retire and they're no longer serviceable, they feel like they have no meaning. They have no purpose. They have no... So service also, as an intentional act, serves the company. It increases the value you bring to your customers. It increases revenue, especially if you play the new game where you focus on serving people so that they come back and bring their friends. It increases earnings. It reduces attrition, customer attrition, employee attrition. And now it's becoming a really important factor is a good place to work. You want to work in a place that not only serves the customers, but serves the employees. I, I totally agree with that because that culture of service, uh, if it's in the, ethno, in the culture of the company, I think you can get the employees much more engaged if they know what they are of 
what is the value that they provide and what is their mission and they are on service of of certain values in the work that they do and the, uh, their contribution to the group, to the team, that makes all the difference. It, it really does. And uh, when you think about service uh, and serving, I look at like three Ps. Service is a purpose, like that's the purpose of your business. Service is a product that some companies actually have turned customer service into a product, a distinctive, unique, step above, set the bar high product. And that means the third P is service becomes a profit center. And that's what we focus on uh, in the new game of selling, which 10 years ago I wrote the new game of selling. We have had, we've put a million people through the training uh, over the years. And this year is the new game of service. And the idea of service is that if you can turn service into a profit center versus an expense department, it changes the whole dynamics of the company. You now have two profit centers, sales and service, and one expense department, marketing, versus the old game, which is one uh, income center, all of it based on sales, and two expense departments, marketing and service. And when companies shift their thinking from customer service as an expense department to it should be a profit center, you realize there's gold in them near hills, uh, future business, repeat business, new business, referrals, endorsements, testimonials, the list goes on and on and on. Um, 20 years ago, I wrote the new game of business, 2004. And to launch the book, I did a nationwide radio and TV uh, program. I was in the RTIR report, which is a radio and TV interview report. I had an ad. And I was really focused on one thing. Stop shipping service jobs overseas. Because companies started thinking automated systems, we can reduce the cost of service if we ship it to another country where we only pay $4 an hour versus $10 an hour. So all of a sudden, almost all of U.S. service departments began moving them across the, out of the country. And I was on like this national rage to say, stop, you're, you're destroying the essence of what gives you a competitive advantage. I, was, I created a, a something 30 years ago called the USA, Unique Service Advantage. It's what your customers tell you, what separates you, what makes you better, what makes you different. And they were completely disregarding the value of the back-end relationship value of the customer saying, hey, if we could save some money, we could go right to the buying line. Well, how did that work out? Now, 20 years later, we've gutted our manufacturing We've gutted our service, and now companies are struggling, especially with AI looming, to say, hey, if we go past a certain point, we're going to go past the point of no return, where automation and systems and AI 
are going to be the masters and we're going to become the servants. And and that is really, I think, the key because um, I remember an interview that I did some time ago here in the, in the mindset zone, uh, the Gina Bianchini, uh, that uh, we are speaking about human beings are really connecting beings. We need one another. We need that sense of connection. And what you are speaking about with this perspective of service as purpose, as product, as profit center, uh, is starting with the purpose and then uh, is that, and even when you are speaking now of the AI, of the automation, yes, we can use that for enhance our businesses, absolutely, but it has to be of service to us humans and not the other way around. Yes, that dovetails into a, a, a model I created a long time ago, 30 years ago, and I got to speak at Harvard uh, on the subject of what I call the soul role goal of leadership. And the soul role goal model is a very unique and different model. In fact, it's the hierarchy of value based on a science called axiology, the science of human value. And when you look at every, every company has a goal. Well, typically, and individually, too. And then what do we do? Well, our role is to get the goal. And then if we have any time left over, we nurture and service or satisfy our soul. Well, that's an inverted model, and let me show you why. Your soul is who you are. It's your being. The purpose of soul is to love, and especially to love people. Your role is what you do. And the purpose of a role is to serve. And you serve practical, real things. You create a product or a service, you serve, you deliver, and then you get reward. Your goal is where you're going. And to get where you're going, the goal obeys whatever the process is, the system is, the game plan is, the business plan is. Now, here's where things get really sticky. The question is, which way does the arrow go? The purpose of rules, policies, procedures, automation, systems, AI, whatever, is to serve people, right? And what happens is if the systems, the rules, the policies, procedures take over and now the people are serving the system, you have a new version of value. If it gets extreme, you have a perversion of value to where the system actually, instead of serving people, abuses people. I call it systemic abuse. And we all experience it every single day in subtle and, and overt ways, putting people on hold for two minutes, not letting them get to where they need to be quickly, uh, putting your policy ahead of people, all right? And what happens is when you invert the value and people start serving the system, AI is intelligence. It's the mind. It's logic. It has no soul. 
There's no soul to AI. It doesn't have intuition. It doesn't have feeling. It doesn't have empathy. It doesn't have compassion. I'm sure that it could be programmed to masquerade those things and to be artificial, but that's not real. And so if, if we're in very close proximity to passing the line to where we live artificially instead of in a real world. And so the result of that is depletion. What you talk a lot about, which is disengagement and burnout, uh, sickness, attrition. And then what is the impact of that? Lower productivity, performance profitability, the practical things that you can measure. So I have a mantra that I say, if, if a company can embrace this mantra, they can literally transform the company. And here it is. When given the choice to obey or for, force the customer to obey your rules, policies, procedures, or automation, or Love and serve the customer, love and serve the customer. There are companies, big companies that say, break our rules. It's okay if you need to love and serve the customer because the customer doesn't care about your rules. They want to be loved and served. And so now what I've learned literally like 50 years ago, more now, um, is carrying me through my entire life. And it's funny how the pendulum is swing back toward humanity above the vanity and insanity of mechanization. And let me go, let me just press the pause button here and um, uh, peel the onion here a little because I think there's um, a lot here to unpack and even I think culturally, you're speaking about the inversion of values, that we have this soul, this purpose, uh, that we can say an essence of love, of connection, that then that is the goal, uh, the direction that we go, and then the role, what we do, and that should be the direction, the what we do, the systems, that I love systems, but all of that has to be of in service of the soul, of the purpose of uh, um, of our humanity and i will argue that yes and you are speaking specific for businesses and corporations because it's a lot of the work that you do but i will argue that as a society uh, and the, the corporate culture in general has that already inverted even before all this conversation about ai disruption if we look to the work environment, if we look to the values that people are in action in the day-to-day -day in their work life, is a lot forgetting the soul and just the serving a system, serving, working. How can working 80 hours a week can feed your soul? I would like somebody to argue with me that how can just burn out people and replace them serve that the purpose that we can have as communities, as human beings? And I think as we have so many discussion nowadays that is so important to have about the environment sustainability, 
we should be also speaking about work sustainability. How can we transform that dynamic from our what we do, our the role that we have uh, from leaders to um, the direct reports to the front line? How all those roles at the end of the day are serving a bigger purpose? No, no doubt about it. And when you look at it, service feeds the soul. It fulfills a role because we all want to be of service, whether we're serving our business, our work, we want to do our work the best we can. We want to be acknowledged for it. We want to be recognized. Um, I have a presentation that I gave at Harvard on uh, one of my websites. I have a studio version of it. And I, one of the quotes I have is, don't shrink a person to fit a job box. Expand the job to fit a person. And when you think about uh, how businesses, even families, uh, organizations run, we, we like to fit people in a box. Yeah. In fact, you said to me before <laughs> we started, Mitch, which is the box you want to put in? All right. And I said, oh, business strategist, advisor, et cetera. However, as human beings, we're so much more than the box we put. And so psychologically, if our environment narrows us into a box, little by little, we shrink as people. Whereas if you expand a person's vision, there is no box. I'm famous for the phrase, no box thinking. No box thinking is no boxes, no borders, no boundaries. And we're constantly putting ourselves in the box. We're in environments that support and reinforce that we should stay in the box, color within the lines. And all of us who are entrepreneurs are entrepreneurs because we don't want to be in a box. Well, I think that we have to start treating people uh, like people and realize that not only are they human, but they're our most valuable capital asset. And if we, we provide an environment that nurtures people, that gives them uh, access to expanding their capabilities, uh, contributing to the company, flattening out the hierarchy, and putting the autonomy of the individual above the authority of the system. And if we can revert back to uh, the sole role goal of business, we realize that the more we're aligned, the happier everyone's going to be. All, all the metrics are going to be there. But if we're misaligned on the soul and the role and the goal, it's like a subluxation in chiropractic. You're out of whack. And little by little, and you, you speak to this beautifully, you're going to get people overwhelmed, overextended, disengaged, burnt out. And then once they're burnt, they're burnt. They don't come back. And the worst part is the companies don't look. That's why your service is so valuable for people to actually measure and understand those four quadrants that you talk about 
Because if you want full engagement in your company, you've got to look to serve your employees equally as well, if not better than you serve your customers. Uh, I, I totally believe is that that actualizing our human potential in so many different ways that you are speaking. Obviously, as a society, as a culture, we should be focusing on how can we allow these uh, humans being more humans and enjoying our humanity and having business and commerce at the service of our humanity and technology, humane technology. Technology is this amazing thing that... As humans, we create and invent, and we keep surprising ourselves with the capacity of what we are inventing. And it can be of service for us and not as to the service of it. And I think that is now more important than ever to keep remember. And what you are speaking about, uh, everybody is speaking about the burnout. Burnout is a word that is so much used today, but we are putting in, going back to a box. We are putting everything in, in the same box. And the, you were referring to other conversations that we have in my work that is a lot of uh, uh, categorizing or having a more nuanced view of where really people are. Are they being overextended, still connected with their purpose, yet very exhausted because they have too much in their plate? Are there disengaged because yes they still have energy but not uh, not feeling the purpose or not knowing why they are doing what they are doing so what bother or they are really engaged on purpose and with uh, the flow of uh, performing and that optimal performance there or they are in the in the other extreme that is being really burned out totally exhausted and disconnected that is so sad to see so many people that have so much potential being burn, burning out in a big way in our corporate culture. Yeah, it spills over to home life. It affects physically. When you go down the chain of consequences of inverting the value system to where the goal becomes like God, and that even if you are miserable in your role, as long as you're getting your goal, you're successful. Well, to me, uh, you can't fill a hole in your soul with more gold. Yep. And companies and people uh, are trying to accomplish things and achieve things because they think it's going to fill a hole in the way they feel about themselves. You've got... You've got to value yourself intrinsically for who you are, completely separate and apart from what you do. And unfortunately, we could spend hours on this, but our identity gets wrapped up in our goal. Our goal no longer becomes a thing. It becomes us. And when we mix the two, when they blend together and when we lose the distinction between our goal and our role, you know, Realistically, um, a goal, what's funny about it, it's only a concept. It's a belief. You create it up here. And then what you do is you spend your precious life, minutes, hours, and days, and months, and weeks, and years chasing something without ever examining, am I completely aligned? Am I having fun? Am I enjoying the journey? 
Am I bringing value to myself? Am I improving my skill? Am I contributing? Am I being supported and supportable? Or is my goal become my master? And that's the same exact evaluation companies have to make. Are they so in pursuit of their objectives, their goals, their outcomes, that people kind of now just become useful cogs in the machine? Yep. And when that happens, we revert, revert back to our industrial age where everybody's just on an assembly line. The difference is you're in an office or a cubicle. Yeah. Is that inversion of value? Because even with the way that we say, when we speak about the balance between work-life, why don't we say the balance between life and work, putting life first? Great point. I actually had a whole chapter section in my new game of business book on maybe someday we'll actually have a chief officer of work-life balance to make sure everybody is balancing their life. And and this just part, it shows how important work is to people that we will continue to do eight, 10, 12 hours a day of something that we really don't value. We get role frustration. We get soul frustration, and you can't measure that in a doctor's office. We have a tool that can actually measure values like that and show you whether or not a person is, is happy or satisfied or have frustration or stress. And so there's going to be an element of objectivity that we're bringing to companies where we can actually tell you what peop how people think and Similarly to your assessment, when you know what they're thinking and how they're feeling, you have a much better chance of uh, helping them be all they can be. And I think that's the future of business. It's the first step is really to have this um, and the tools then you have developed this tool for and that allow us to have the information that we need to be able to do, uh, to change the dynamic and uh, change the direction of the values from the soul to the goal and to the role and not the other way around. Well, it's an easy way to evaluate it. You just look inside yourself and say, am I serving myself or is it, you know, am I serving the system? And, uh, so thank you very much. This was a wonderful conversation. Yeah, the same year. So uh, to end, I would like to ask you, where can people learn more about you and your work? Well, uh, I'd send them to two websites, thenewgameofselling.com, which is where I uh, talk about this new game of selling and service. I have a video, a special report, uh, and uh Companies can fill out an intake form and I'll have a chat with them. And then the other site where you can actually watch my presentation, I give at Harvard and a whole lot of other good stuff, soulrollgold.com, and that's S-O-U-L-R-O-L-E, gold, G-O-A-L.com, soulrollgold.com. And I will make sure that including all those links on our show notes. So. Thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate our conversation. My pleasure. Thank you, Anna, for all the good work you do. Thanks. Expanding possibilities, the mindset.
Thank you for listening. And remember to follow this podcast. And if you're listening in Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. That really helps us spread the word about the Mindset Zone. Also visit Mindset.Zone. Yes, instead of dot .com, is dot .zone. There you can find amazing resources and more information about my speaking and how I support purpose-driven individuals and organizations increase their impact while preventing burnout. As always, I'm so grateful you are here. Expand what's possible for you, for the ones around you, for the world.